KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Got some strengths pulled for me. I was able to get in there. When I got to camp, the first thing Mike Rice told me was, he said, he said, Ashley Howard, nice to meet you. Hey, I need you to go clean out the rooms, mop the floor, clean the bathrooms. It's a mess, man. Can you do that for me? And I was thinking to myself, like, I, I just came here to coach basketball, man. This dude's putting a bucket and a mop in my hand. But, you know, as a young coach, I tell guys all the time, like, everybody wants to know what do you need to do to get into the business, honestly, you do whatever you have to do, mm-hmm. right? You know, I went and got that bucket and mop. And our guest this week, LaSalle University men's basketball coach, Ashley Howard. Coach, thanks so much for stopping by. Matt, thanks for having me. So as you prepare for year two, has life slowed down for you after your first year as a head coach? It has a little bit. I have a, I have a newborn. Well, I had a newborn early in the season, so now my son is nine months. So he keeps things... <laughs> He keeps things busy still, um, but, you know, life has definitely slowed down. We have uh, continuity amongst our staff. Everybody has our own routine in place now, so so we're, we're, we're getting settled in now on 20th and on. How crazy is it that you right now are the third longest tenured coach in the Big Five? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is crazy. It's not something that I anticipated uh, last year this time, but it's an exciting time for the Big Five. Obviously, you know, you, you know, you got fresh blood at three schools in the city, us, uh, St. Joe's and Temple uh, with the hirings of Billy and, and Aaron. So, you know, I, I think those those programs have have a lot to look forward to two two very talented, well-deserved green coaches. And you know what? This year, you know, um, you know, you got an opportunity to celebrate uh, a great coach and, and, and Fran Dunphy. And, and at St. Joe's, you know, the it was abrupt. But, you know, I think in, in, in due time, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to appreciate um, the icon that Phil Martelli was at, at St. Joe's and, and the impact that both Phil and, and Fran had on Big Five and Philadelphia basketball community in, in general. Looking at your team year one, it was obviously wins and losses not the start you wanted. You guys started 0-10. But from really, once you guys tasted victory, you were a handful in the end of your non-conference and throughout the, the Atlantic 10 season. Were you happy with the progress? Like, when you look at it back, I mean, obviously you'd love to win every game, but from going from point A to point B, you had to be pretty pleased at how far the group came. Starting from where we started off, I was I was uh, beyond pleased with how our team developed. Uh, and I think it was a, a huge um, testament to the character of our guys, the character of our coaching staff, that we didn't we didn't fold. Um, you know, starting off the way we started off, it was, it was difficult, and, and we had to keep coming back every day you know, with, with the, the goal of getting better. And I think we did that once the conference play started and um, looking forward to building on it. So let's talk about kind of your journey here. Do you ever remember a time in your life where basketball wasn't a main focus? No, I can't. I, mean, I, I was raised in a basketball family. You know, my, my first memories of basketball were just like picture, life-size pictures of my father and his trophies in my grand in my grandparents' basement, um, and in my whole life, like you know, I thought that was normal, and and then once you get older, you realize, man, like a a, a basement full of trophies is not normal, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know that that set the bar for me as a as a young kid, just you know, wanting to 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 be the best player that I can be. I, I spent 
you know, a lot of time on the on the playgrounds of Philly growing up, just investing in myself as a player. And, and um, you know, I, my mom used to say, all you care about is basketball. And in my mind at the time, I was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, but I'm glad to see that, you know, it, it's, it's paid off for me in the long run here. Now your dad, Maurice Howard, played, I think, St. Joe's Prep and then Maryland and then went into the, the NBA. Yep. Do you remember a lot watching him? play and uh, appreciating what you were getting the chance to see and stuff like that? So when my dad had retired by the time I was born. So, you know, I remember watching him playing like pickup games, you know, as a, as a kid and, um, you know, against his buddies who were also like former players. So, um, you know, they were, they were really competitive. I, I do have vivid memories of watching my dad play. I he he was a good player. He could he could shoot the ball. He was a really good defender. He was lightning quick. Probably was quicker in his in his uh in his younger days from from when I watched him. But um, you know the the thing about my dad, you know that that really resonated with me was like the type of man he was, the respect that people had for him, and you know because of that, a lot of people you know gave me opportunities along my journey as a player and as a coach. So you know. The fact that he was a great player, it was, it was great, and it was something that um, obviously you know put him in a position where he could you know play at the highest level and achieve a lot of great things. But you know the fact that he was a, a great person, a, a person that treated people uh, with respect, um, I think that's something that that has resonated even more than the fact that he was a great player. So when did basketball has always been a passion for you? Was there a moment when you started to realize that it could maybe take you places uh, more than the average kid on the playground? Like start to realize I'm getting attention, stuff like that. And, you know, maybe I can take this to college and such. I mean, like I always had aspirations, even as, as a child, like playing in college, being an NBA player. Like that was that was my mindset. And um, I was probably a little bit um, overhyped as a as a as a young player. Like when I was when I was in like a, a middle school, people thought I was like some phenom because I was advanced at a at an early age. And then um, the growth spurt that I was waiting for that I'm still waiting for it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went from being you know just you know a, a bigger middle school kid that had skill to becoming a point guard that had to figure out how to play the game the right way and and you know um you know run a team and 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 be a leader and all those things and those are all characteristics that I that I believe made me um you know a, a great coach so that was really my transition so you know I I was always focused on you know being a you know a college player you know like that the thought of not being that never never crossed my mind um, it was really sort of kind of accepted. Uh, I'm sorry, expected. You know, just the way I was, I was brought up. My uncle and my grandfather, uh, along with my dad, they they kept the ball in my hands. They put me in all the right um, situations to get the the right exposure to to understand what it would take to to achieve that. And I followed their their lead on it. Just so happened, man, that that growth spurt I was waiting for it didn't happen. So, <laughs> so now, co- so coaching was so coaching was the the, the next best thing. So. Was the idea you went to Drexel? Yep. Were you always going to stay in the city, or when you're in high school, was that up for debate if you know the right school calls? So I was I was recruited by by a couple other what we consider mid major schools outside of our region, but 
you know, staying at home was the thing for us when, when I was when I was growing up. You know, a lot of my buddies played in the Big Five. A lot of the guys that that I admired growing up uh, were were Big Five players. You know, um, you know when I was when I was young, the, I think the the guy that that went away from home that everybody followed was Rasheed Wallace when he went to mm-hmm. North Carolina. So you know, Rasheed was the the one local guy, and he was the the you know one of the best players in the country at the time and. You know, he went to North Carolina, but outside of Rashid, I think a lot of the the better players in our area, those guys all stayed home. Um, like a guy that, that's on my coaching staff now, like a guy like Donnie Carr, who was a guy that I grew up. Um, you know, I played against him. He was a senior when I was a freshman, but you know, Donnie was one of the best players in the country. He went to went to LaSalle. Alvin Williams, who was a great friend of mine, played at um, at Villanova during the mid nineties. Um, good friend of mine, Lane Greer. You know, he was player of the year in the city. Lynn went to Temple and played, right? Uh, Rasul Butler, a guy that I played against in high school, a guy that was a great friend of mine. He went to LaSalle. Uh, Marvin O'Connor went to Simon Gratz. He was a great player. He went to St. Joe's. So, like, you know, it was it was a thing to stay home. And um, uh, me and a couple of my, my AAU buddies, Henry Fairfax and Tim Whitworth, we all went to Drexel together with, with the aspirations of, you know, having the same success that Malik Rose who was a Philly guy. Mm-hmm. Um, had at Drexel, so that was our mindset. It was you know staying at home was the, was the was the thing to do. We had all these different schools, all different but all great schools. Yet Penn, if you were a, a Ivy League caliber guy, you could go to Penn. You know, if you were a Big East guy, you go to Villanova. Temple was a high level program at the time. St. Joe's and LaSalle were both you know really good programs in Atlantic Ten. So you had all these options here. You know, we never really felt like you had to go anywhere. So you started at St. Joe's Prep, then went to Bonner, correct? Yep. So then you head to Drexel in the first couple of years. Looks like you're you're right on track. And then you have, I think it was a heart condition, and your playing days grind to a halt. So yep. as much as you feel comfortable, what happened? Was this something you just go in for a physical, and all of a sudden you start getting weird looks from the doctor? Or what happened? So what happened was I, I had an early morning workout in the spring after my sophomore year. And in all honesty, usually I would wake up, grab something to eat, you know, just so I have something in my system, then, you know, you know, go to workout stretch and I and I and I overslept. I wasn't late, but I wasn't able to get get something to eat. Mm-hmm. So I'm hustling to the gym to make it on time. And I and I went through the workout. I didn't eat anything. And then like midway through my workout, like I I got I got a little a little dizzy, and if anybody knows Drexel's gym in May in the Daskalaskis Athletic Center, if it's if it's eighty five degrees outside, it's probably ninety five right. degrees inside. So you know, I didn't think anything of it. I was just thinking it's summertime, it's hot. I didn't eat. You know, I'm just a little lightheaded. So when I took my physical in the summer, and I you know you. Check off. Have you ever experienced dizziness during exercise? I just checked off. Yeah, because I remember that mm-hmm. that day. I was like, yeah. And I was thinking it was normal. So they took my physical, and then when we came back in the fall, our team trainer said, "Listen, we want to have you see a cardiologist. You you checked off that you experienced dizziness during exercises. Have them run some tests on you." And then they ran some tests, and they found that I had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy in the the cardiologist at the time suspected that it was caused by a virus in my system that, you know, created an enlarged exterior of, of, of the wall of my heart. 
So then they ran additional testing and 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 later they they decided that they didn't think it was in my best interest to continue to play. Um and that was a very very difficult time for me. That was uh probably the 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 biggest um experience and adversity I I've mm-hmm. ever faced. And you know, at, at 21 years old at the time, I was in the the prime of my of my playing career. I felt like I was in the best shape of my life at the time. I felt like I was prepared to, you know, make that next jump from being a guy that was, you know, a starting point guard on a on a senior driven team to now have an opportunity to step up and and be the leader of the team and and lead a, a team that we all felt was was pretty talented. And it didn't it didn't work out that way. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't easy. You know, I, I had I had a lot of dark days. You know, I, I had a lot of self reflection to do. You know, I had to I had to figure out, you know, at that point in, in time, all right, I invested my entire life, like we talked about, in basketball, being the best player that I could be. That was taken from me. And now what's next, right? And um, but luckily, you know, fortunate enough for me, my our head coach at the time, Bruiser Flint, uh, along with his assistant coach Jeff Arnold and, and and Chuck Martin and Mike Connors, those guys were was so supportive of me during that time where they just said, listen, man, like you have to stay around with the team. You know, we all believe that, you know, you you have what it takes to be a great coach. You grew up around the game. You have a great feel for the game. The players, uh, the guys here respect you. So over over time, I just, you know, channeled my focus into, you know, giving all the energy that I once had as a player, just giving it to my teammates at Drexel. And, and then, you know, I, I, I started, you know, coaching in the Sunny Hill League, which was a, uh, a local league here that, that all of the Philadelphia players grew up playing in. And, you know, I got an opportunity to go back and, and coach a high school team and, and coach my college league team, the team that I played on, my college league coaches, Mr. Fred Douglas and Mr. Don Hackney. I showed up. They, you know, they said, yo, man, we want you to come down to summer league. I'm saying, oh, I got, you know, I got diagnosed I can't play. And, you know, to my surprise, they said, yo, you're coaching the team. <laughs> so, like, the next summer, like, those guys had me coach the team and, and they all saw something in me at the time that, you know, I didn't necessarily, you know, know that I had. I knew I loved the game. I love, you know, I, I would work basketball camps and work with young kids. But, you know, for me, what what was the, the biggest loss of my life, you know, not being able to play ball again ended up becoming a, a blessing. And, and, and you, know, you know, a lot of times, you know, we – we think that we control our steps, but you know, that, you know, and that was God, man. God put me in that situation, and and as as soon as He took basketball away, He just kind of refocused me and 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 um and just put me in position to to execute my calling, and that and that was coaching. So you the first, last couple of years at Drexel, were you like a student assistant kind of? Yeah, so, yeah. I, so I was a student assistant. I, I I worked with the team. I I went to practice every day. I worked the players out. Um, I helped out in any capacity that 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 I had to. I messed with Coach Flynn all the time. He would call me to his office midday, and I'm thinking like, "All right, what what do I do?" And he'd be like, "Yo, go to Seven Eleven and get me a bag of chips and uh, and a diet coke." So like, I was like the the, the runner. Um, and and honestly, like you know, there there were a lot of different different tasks that that I had to execute that you know were just a part of me just paying my dues as a coach. But yet and still, like, you know, even through that transition as being 
a student assistant. I still had no idea that I would be a Division One head coach. I, you know, I, I thought that okay, I'll, I'll do this and I'll graduate and maybe be a high school coach or maybe coach AAU or or whatever. Um, but you know, I, I was a student assistant. Then once I graduated, you know, I I um was trying to you know figure out all right, well, what's next? So I'm I'm, I'm trying to to get into this prestigious camp. So working camp is a big deal in the summer, especially for a young guy. It gives you an opportunity to make some money. So I'm working the, the hoop group camp. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike Rice, uh, former Rutgers head coach, he's the director of the camp. So one of our assistants pulled some strings to get me in there because it was at the time Division One coaches could work the camp. You know, it was a big deal to, mm-hmm. to be a counselor there. So – Got some strengths pulled for me. I was able to get in there as an assistant and uh, – I'm sorry, as a counselor. And when I got to camp, the first thing Mike Rice told me was – he said, he said, Ashley Howard, nice to meet you. Hey, I need you to go clean um, the the third, fourth, and fifth floor. We got we got campers coming, and the rooms are a mess from last week. The kids left the place a mess. Need you to go up there and, and like, clean out the rooms, mop the floor, clean the bathrooms. It's a mess, man. Can you do that for me? And I was thinking to myself, like, yo, I, I just came here to coach basketball, man. This dude's putting a bucket and a mop in my hand. But, you know, as a young coach, I tell guys all the time, like, everybody wants to know what do you need to do to get into the business. Honestly, you do whatever you have to do, mm-hmm. right? And um, at the time, I had no direction. So, you know, I went and got that bucket and mop, and I went and started mopping floors and cleaning up rooms and, um, you know, just, you know, helping those guys out in any way I could. And um, later – the next week, Mike Rice approached me, and he said, "Listen, man, like you, like you, you have a, a certain way about you. You have great energy. The kids respect you. Like, yo, you should you should work this job full time." And I really didn't understand what the job was. So, the Hoop Group is an exposure mm-hmm. company, and they they host um, camps and tournaments and high school showcase events to help you know, high school kids get exposure to colleges. So, you know, they, they explained to me that the job that, you know, that, you know, it'd be my job to to recruit players to come to the camp. And, you know, there's a balance of getting, like, players that can pay and then pay players that, you know, can come in on group discounts that are, you know, the more elite-level players that will be recruited to draw colleges. And they explained the whole deal. And I said, you know what, I think I can do this. And I did the job through that summer. And... The LaSalle job opened up that summer. Um, Dr. John Giannini um, was named the the head coach. And, you know, at the time, I didn't even think, like, I I heard the LaSalle job opened up. I said, all right, cool, LaSalle opened up. I'm not even thinking, like, there's an opportunity for me Mm -hmm. to potentially be an assistant coach. I'm just doing my job. So the the fall comes, the summer ends, the fall comes, and one of my next events was at was an event that we call a top 100 event where we travel around the East Coast and we do different top 100 events in the different regions. So, you know, I was in Philly, you know, just kind of promoting our event um, that we were supposed to have in, in early October. And Dr. G, Giannini, was at the event, at this open gym at, at Newman Garetti High School. And um, just to go back to players, I know, I know sports information director Dan Loba, he's a Syracuse guy, so... At the time, Newman Garetti had um, Scoop Jardine, Rick Jackson, 
and and Deion Waiters was a young dude. Mm-hmm. All those guys were were at this open gym, and they they were the they were the primary guys at, at Newman Garetti at the time. And um, I'm trying to, you know, convince their high school coach, they'll man, send these guys, you know, to the top 100 event. It'll be a great event. They'll, you know, we'll, we'll do some training, and you know, it'll be great exposure for them. And Dr. G, you know, cornered me afterwards and said, "Listen, man, I have one more position on my coaching staff." You know, everybody, you know, has, has been saying nothing but great things about you here in the Philly basketball community. You know, would would you would you like to would you be interested in, in, in sitting down and talking about the position? I said, Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, you know, I went from graduating from Drexel in, in June, working for the hoop group throughout that summer, to in the fall being an assistant coach at LaSalle. So that that was a that was a a, a quick turnaround. Not a normal turnaround, but um, at the same time, I feel like you know if if you if you are passionate about something and you you go all in and you show people you know how passionate you are and that you're willing to do anything that 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 you can to be successful, then good things can happen. So uh, you know that that was my transition from you know not playing to now, you know three years later being a Division One assistant coach. How surreal is that? conversation with with dr john like at that what were you 23 23 and a division one guy's approaching you and saying hey i want you you're not you know sending resumes calling chasing guys down that did did, was that kind of surreal did it take a while to set in it it did I, i was i remember i i actually told dr g i said said look you know like i appreciate it let me talk to Rob Kennedy because Rob Kennedy was was our boss. He's CEO of Hoop Groups. I said, "Yo, let me let me just go back and, and let Rob know about this opportunity, and just kind of see what he what he thinks." Because in my mind, like I, I told this guy, I was going to do this job for mm-hmm. this year, and I didn't want to I didn't want to just bail on him. So I just wanted to to get with him and say, "Listen, man, you know I got this opportunity. What do you think?" So the whole time I'm I'm thinking about like, all right. It's like, yo, this is a great opportunity. I got butterflies. I'm like, man, I get a chance to coach in Philly. Like, how how cool is this? But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, yo, what if Rob says to me, like, yo, man, like, I need you for this year. Like, I may have to pass up on this on this opportunity. So I saw Rob, and I said, Rob, man, I, I talked to Dr. Giannini from LaSalle. He said, oh, really? I said, yes. I said, he, he wants to, you know, interview me for this job. He said, well, well what are you doing here right now? Like, you should be somewhere preparing for your interview. And I was like, all right. That was like a big sigh of relief. Right. So, you know, I, I, I sped home, man. I, I, I may have gotten a speeding ticket driving <laughs> from um, Neptune, New Jersey, back to Philly. Um, t- went to my mother's house. Um, and I just remember not being able to sleep, preparing myself um, for the interview. And, and then I went in there, and it was, you know, it was, it was, it was easy. It was, it was just organic. Coach G and I, you know, we clicked right away, mm-hmm. and um, and and you know that was that was that was the beginning of of my coaching career. So, how did it feel different as a, an assistant at LaSalle, but as a, an assistant, take the student part away, as opposed to your last couple of years at Drexel as a student assistant? Or did those two years really help make it a smoother transition than maybe it would have been if you had just gone player boom to assist yeah, so it, it, it made it it made it an easier transition for me because you know I was I was really an apprentice under under Jeff Arnold and Chuck Martin and those two guys are 
two of the most respected, you know, coaches in, in our in our industry. Those guys are great um, recruiters. They're, those guys are great um, uh, player development coaches on the floor. So I got an opportunity to watch those guys and how they worked. And really, I just duplicated what I saw them do um, at LaSalle, you know, from, you know, the conditioning. So when I first got to LaSalle, my, my only responsibility was really to work the players out, condition them, check classes, and study hall, make sure they were doing what they're supposed to do. I wasn't even recruiting at the time because, you know, Dr. G and Coach Owens and Coach Seymour, those guys at the time, they were, you know, they were on the road already recruiting, trying to trying to find our next guys. And, um, you know, they sort of kind of just left me behind with the team. So, you know, I was – if I didn't have that experience at Drexel of watching Jeff and Chuck and and – and how good they were with the with the players on the floor. And at the time, I was 23, so I could still play and get out there on the floor with the players and 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 do all those things, which which gave me an advantage. It was it was easy. It was it was an easy transition. I was a little hard on those guys because I wanted to show them, even though I'm I'm probably the same age as some of you right. dudes. Like I'm not I'm not cutting you guys any slack. You know, some of my favorite players that I've ever coached were, were on those early LaSalle teams, and I respected those guys a lot, A, because they allowed me to coach them. They allowed me to push them. They respected the fact that I was all in with them, and, um, and, and it, it was really cool, really cool. So where along the road as an assistant do you start to feel like, man, I want my eventually, this has to end with me getting my own program? It, it, it took a long time for me to get to that point because in our in our business I was I was just focused on every job that I was at was at LaSalle. Like I just wanna do whatever I can to help us get some players in here and help the players that we have develop so that our team can compete for championships. You know, I went back to Drexel, um, my alma mater, I was an assistant there for four years after spending four years at LaSalle and you know, like I went back to Drexel because my whole mindset was like, I want, I want to help my school get a championship. Like that was, that was my my goal, and um, and we did that. And then after we won our, uh, we won the the CAA regular season championship. We lost the VCU in the in the conference tournament championship, and we got a berth in the NIT, and, and we advanced to the quarterfinals in the NIT that year, two thousand and twelve. Should have gone to the NCAA tournament. Should have went to the NCAA I mean, tournament. One of the great tragedies in local yeah. college basketball, that team not going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we, we, at one point that year, I think we had the longest winning streak in, 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 in college basketball. We had like a 20-game winning streak, and we didn't make the tournament. And, and in my mind, I, I was thinking to myself, like, all right, man, this is a great year. We won 29 games, the most games won in the history of Drexel. Thinking to myself, like, all right, well, what's next, right? What do I need to do in order to sort of kind of climb the ladder in coaching, and then the opportunity presented itself that that spring for me to 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 go to Xavier in Cincinnati and work for Chris Mack. And and at the time, Xavier was the perennial favorite in Atlantic Ten. Um, they were they were a team that was uh, a normal fixture in the Sweet Sixteen mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight NCAA tournament. So I said, you know what? Let me let me um, step outside of my comfort zone and 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 try this to see. You know, if if this can make me better, and see if you know, see if I'm as 
good of an assistant as I think I am. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times, you know, we all think we're a lot better than what we really are. So I, I went out to, to Xavier with the, with the mindset, like, I want to go out here. I want to learn from a new coach and just really sort of kind of just continue to develop as a coach and get better. I learned a lot from, from Dr. G and from Brew. And I wanted to be in a situation where I was, you know, you know, taking a step in the right direction professionally, and also, you know, working under somebody that was a, a respected coach in our in our industry. So, um, my time at Xavier was 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 brief. It was it was one year, um, and then you know, you know, the opportunity to come to Villanova presented itself, and that was an opportunity that was too good to pass yeah. up, just because. You know, I, I always respected Coach Wright. Um, he was one of the best, um, um, you know, coaches in the country. And, you know, I, I just I just thought, like, if I'm working for this guy, you know, I, I know that I could help his program, you know, get to the point where we're one of the best programs in the country. And if I'm being honest with you, with all of the success that we had at Villanova, I, we never felt like, all right, we got it there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we— we always felt like we were still chasing, and I know I did, chasing Duke and Kentucky because perception is like those are blue blood programs and and, and we wanted to prove that we're just as good. Um, I know myself and, and the rest of the assistants at Villanova, we, we, want, we, we wanted to prove that. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job of proving I'd it. say so. <laughs> um, and you know what? To answer your question about when I felt like I wanted to be a head coach, it was after, you know, it was after the first national championship. Just feeling like, okay, like, all right, yo, we won a national championship as an assistant coach. All right, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, and just trying to find another challenge, you know, something else to to motivate myself to try something new to get better. It's always about, all right, what do I need to do to, to, to get better and be the best coach that I can be? And, you know what, the national championship doesn't define you. It's the relationships that you build. It's the bonds that you that you create, and then it's it's what you learn. And now having the opportunity to take what I learned during that experience, and now build my own program, develop coaches the same way I had guys develop me as a coach, and and develop players, and and and, and help those guys you know grow into into to young men that are successful, you know like. All the coaches that I work for, like 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 they've done, um, you know, all of the programs that I that I work for, they all had a hundred percent graduation rates. So you know that was that was something that that I looked at and I said, all right, you know what? The next step for me is to, to be a head coach, run my own program, and and put into fruition all of the things that that I've learned throughout my coaching journey. We need to take a break right now on -on one-on-one. We will have more with LaSalle men's basketball coach Ashley Howard right after this. The podcast that's all soccer all the time. It's what's new on the soccer scene. Every week on the Philly Soccer Show, hosted by KYW's Greg Orlandini. What was the experience like for your first home game? It's always interesting to hear from players that come over from Europe. They, they don't have it like here in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll get a little more real for us tomorrow as well. Was that the coldest soccer game you've ever played in? Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> Join the thousands who hear the Philly Soccer Show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back with LaSalle men's basketball coach Ashley Howard as this episode of One on One continues. And it's interesting that you're at Xavier 
how aside, and I don't mean this towards the coach of the school or anything, but you're a Philly guy. You've got a lot of stops on the resume, but they are all Philadelphia area. So how did a Philly kid, how did you do that year out at Xavier outside of Philadelphia? Was it an adjustment just from a life standpoint? You know what? It was, it was a breath of fresh air because it was something new. It was something different. I learned a, a completely different style of play. Um, coach Mack and, and Travis Steele, who's the current head coach, of Xavier and Chris Mack is now the head coach at Louisville. Like th- those guys were, those guys were um, very sophisticated in their approach to how they did business, recruiting, marketing of their program. It, w- it was something that I hadn't experienced. And and honestly, my one year at Xavier prepared me to to go to Villanova because you know Z- Xavier was a, is a big time program. Mm-hmm. They they treated it and and they did business like like a big time program. So, you know that that one year it was it was necessary for me to step outside of my comfort zone, so that I could come back to to Villanova and be prepared to to come in there and and, and help you know Coach Wright and and his staff just kind of you know move move forward. I know. So, when you guys win the first national championship in 2016, I know coaches are never satisfied. But when you're watching this group develop and you're seeing the success they're having, is there a point along the line that season where you're like, man, if this falls right and we stay healthy and we play like we're capable of, we might be able to to win this thing. Did, do you allow yourself to go there during the journey or is it just what's next right in front of you? I'm talking about the first one? The first one. The first one? No, because... the. I didn't think that we had a chance to win the first one until we beat Iowa in the in the round of 32. Okay. And and I shouldn't say that I didn't think we have a chance. The thought that we could win a national championship didn't cross my mind until we beat Iowa. Um we we got destroyed by Oklahoma that year in December. And then a couple weeks later we got annihilated by Virginia. So in the back of my mind I'm thinking like all right, even when we started playing well in league play, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, like we got, like, it's no way we like we can beat these teams, man. It's like, like Oklahoma just completely annihilated us, and and I knew we were getting better, but in the back of our mind, it was like, you know what, man, like we we have to we have to prove that we can beat the big boys. That that mm-hmm. that was our mindset, and. When we got to that round of 32, the second round, it had been some time since Villanova had advanced. Yeah, because that had been a, past the second a round. stumbling block for yeah, a while. That was a stumbling block. And in our previous two years, you know, we, we, we lost to UConn our first year, my first year, and then NC State the second year. Both of those years, self-inflicted wounds we, or, or why, we, why we lost those games, you know, not taking anything away from UConn or – NC State, UConn won the national championship that right. year. But I think our guys that were on that team that experienced those two losses, they understood why we lost those games and what we needed to do. And it was it was just, uh, you know, Ryan Archidiakono and Daniel Sheffu were the leaders of that team, and they weren't going to let us lose that game. So we, we, we had a really good game, a really strong showing against Iowa. And then, you know, we pretty much rolled, man. We rolled through that tournament. Up until 
up until that national championship game. Our, our, our game against Kansas was a dogfight. We had a chance to redeem ourselves against Oklahoma in the in the uh, national semifinal game, where we we reversed it, where right. where Oklahoma completely annihilated us early in the year. We 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 beat them by the largest margin of victory in the in the history of the Final Four, and then you know played the the epic game versus North Carolina. Uh, that was definitely one of the highlights of my coaching career. What that game when Jenkins releases the ball? What are what's going through your mind? Good. I knew it was good. I knew the shot was good because I saw that he was open, and you know we. Like Chris is one of the best shooters I've ever been around. So just knowing that, just knowing him, like he lives for that. And seeing that he was open, like when, when the ball got in, it was no doubt. And if you go back and you replay the game, once he released it, I just I step up on the on the podium, like on the on the on the on the platform because the court is elevated and I'm I'm just losing my mind. Ever experienced a feeling like that before? Of just that that epic jubilation, not just to, no. to win a title, I, but I, to win I, I it was, in that I fashion. I was not as cool as Jay Wright was. In that moment. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not afraid to. Admit do you that. look back on how he handled that? Like just oh, kind of turned around and what do you him. say, bang? And just that's him, man. That, and that's coach. That's coach man. Just <laughs> cool as the other side of the pillow. Um, yeah, but the thing for me was learning under coach. Dissecting everything that, that he values, right? Um, attitude, team, guys, um, you know, you know, staying focused and, and locked in and and being prepared for the most difficult situations. He he talks about that. And and getting into that moment and it was like, all right, this this is this is what we talk about every day. It's what we prepare for every day in practice. And to be in that moment and for us to execute the way we did, um, for for Arch to be the guy that 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 everybody knows and loves him to be just the ultimate competitor, uh, the most unselfish guy um, I've ever coached. Um, in that moment, he could have easily taken a shot. It was a tie game, right? Just to be the hero, he made the right play at the right time to get Chris the shot, and and, and Chris drilled it. Um, that was that was um that was really cool, man. And that's why I lost it. I lost it more so because it was like, man, this is what we practice every day, and we got it done in the, in, in at the highest level. And I was just I was just beside myself, and I would not have handled it any other different in any any way differently. If I had the opportunity again, I would have lost my mind again. Did you feel like life changed for you for the program? And everything from that point forward? I didn't at the time. You realize, like, all right, yo, we're going to see Barack Obama at the White House. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're, we're at the ESPYs and, and, and life change. I mean, you know, it was, it was good. It was, that was a good, that was a nice spring. We had, we had a good time. <laughs> the other thing is, like, we're so wired a certain way. We're thinking about, right, yo, man, we got to text our recruits and, and um, connect with all these guys. Because, you know, now it's like, all right, we don't want to lose an advantage. But, you know, at, at the same time, you know, you got to enjoy the moment. And, and when I go back and I, and I think about it, um, the, the thing that, that I remember is, you know, just, you know, my wife, uh, um, 
my fiance at the time just like coming down on the court and and my my father uh my sister being at the game and and they're they're on the outside looking in my support system and just seeing how excited they were and you know like my wife is crying and then it's like that like your family they bring you back to reality mm-hmm. because as coaches we live in our own little bubble and then when you get around your family they bring you back to like all right who you are not not coach but who you you know you know who you are as a person and and you you put things in into perspective and and now i appreciate you know the opportunity and 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 the experience way more now than i did when we were going through it cuz we were just so focused on just the next day it, it, it's it's crazy it's it's the reason why you're successful but you know it, it it's also um you know when you reflect on it you wish you you enjoy those moments a little bit more so 2016 that obviously it's impressive in the way you win the title 2018 i don't know that i remember since i've been watching college basketball the the Villanova run through the that was almost a coronation that was so impressive that you pretty much just pushed aside High-level basketball teams at every level. So you talk about in 2016, it was the Iowa game that like, okay. In 2018, what are the expectations? Are you like, man, we should win this at a certain point? We knew we knew that we were really good. We, we had injuries throughout the course of that year where we never hit a stride during, during – like we lost – that year we, we lost the Big East – regular season and um that was the first time we lost the Big East regular season. So like we we weren't necessarily all in sync. And then we go up to Brooklyn. I'm sorry, we go up to New York for Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament. We start to hit our stride. We I knew we were really good. We Butler beat us earlier in the year. We played Butler in the in the semifinals of the, the Big East tournament. I think we had Butler down like 20, 22 to nothing mm-hmm. in Madison Square Garden. And, and like, like that doesn't happen. So when we started playing that well, and it was all our defense, we we started guarding and, and we were connected defensively like that. I was like, all right, you know what? We got, we got a chance. We got a chance to be really good here. Like early in the year, we played Gonzaga. Our whole team was was healthy, and we, we beat them at Madison Square Garden. So that was the first time that year I felt like we could be really good. Then we had injuries and you know we we just you know kind of lost lost ourselves. Then once we went to 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 New York, you know, I felt like you know winning the big you know bouncing back from not winning a regular season to winning the Big East tournament, I felt like it it helped us, you know, as we as we prepared for for the NCAAs and and, and we didn't have we didn't have an easy walk through. You know, we um we opened up with with Radford and then we played Alabama, and they had you know Colin Sexton, who was a freshman phenom, who was a lottery pick, great you know great great player. Um, then the next opponent was West Virginia, and to me, like that was the game because I I felt like West Virginia was the team that could have beat us, mm-hmm. you know, like styles win win fights, right? I, I felt like they had the perfect style to combat our team. Because they just had tough guards and they pressed you the entire game, and you know if they turned us over, 
you know, it could it could have been a ugly game, but it was a that game was one of the best games I've ever been a part of. It was from start to finish. It was back and forth. And when we won that game, you know, I, I felt like, all right, you know what, man, like, you know, we could we could we could win this thing. I want to go through all the guys you've talked about. What's the biggest thing you've learned from from all of them, from Dr. John Giannini? What's the biggest thing that you take away from your time on his staff? Like Doc, Dr. G is the type of guy that will do everything. You know, like he'll, he'll recruit, he'll come back, he'll you know work with one of his players on their free throws. You know, he'll he'll break down tape. He'll like he used to do all of his scout reports, and then he's doing all the other stuff that you don't see behind the scenes. He's dealing with alumni. He's you know fundraising. He's you know doing coaches versus cancer initiatives. He's you know doing scheduling and, and trying to figure out ways to to better the program. And then he'll wipe the sweat off off the floor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, like there's nothing that he won't do for his program. So, so I learned that from him. Um, that you know when when it's your house, you, you take care of it. You know that, that there's nothing, there's no job that should be too big for the head coach. Um, and and the head coach should be able to to teach everybody how to do their job. So so I learned that from him. Um, how about from Bruiser? From Bruiser. Brew was a great teacher. He was a great defensive coach, but he's also a very good person in terms of having relationships mm-hmm. with his players. So, you know, the thing that I learned from Brew was like, you know, Brew was hard on his players, but there wasn't a player on Brew's team that didn't know that he had an open door policy. And it was important to Brew that he connected with his guys off the floor. Um, and, and I always wanted to have that connection with my players. So that's the one thing that I learned from Brew that, that it's important, you know, to, to have that balance between being demanding on the court, but also, you know, always making yourself available and having an open door policy to your players. How about from the year with Chris Mack? Uh, my, my year with Chris Mack, I, I learned a, a lot of, a lot of different basketball strategic, you know, things defensively, offensive um, plays and, 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 and concepts. And, you know, also, Learned the importance of you know like marketing and recruiting and like Chris Mack has like a newsletter that he sends out to high school coaches every month as a way to just connect and engage with people. Um, so at a, at a higher level, like I, I learned like okay, like these are things that the other guys are doing um, to to make themselves relevant to to sell their program to sell themselves to connect and, and build a fan base. Um, and how about from Jay? Just, honestly, just how to run a program. Um, how to, you know, how to tie everything together. You know, the the messaging, everybody being on the same page, tying in the message that you have from, you know, guys, you know, um, holding each other accountable, being a family, um, and and actually living it. You know, a lot of people say like, "Yo, man, like like we have a family atmosphere," but 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 Jay really does. He has a he he's built an unbelievable program. At Villanova, and it and it all starts with you know the the, the family environment, from you know the relationships between the the, the, the players and, and the coaches, and the and the, and the alumni and, and the families, and, and and keeping everybody connected and engaged, and and how he does it all, you know that that's that's what I learned from coach. So when the LaSalle job opens up, did you know, boy? I think that's that's for me. Like right as soon as you hear about it, I wanted it. it. Yeah, I wanted it. 
it was it was no doubt. Um, you know, it it was it was honestly a dream dream job for me. It's perfect opportunity um, to to coach um, where where it all started for me. And, you know, in my hometown, in the Big Five, as a, as a Philly Philly guy, young young kid growing up in the city. You know, I, I didn't play in the Big Five, but now to have the opportunity to coach in the Big Five, it, you know, it was it was an opportunity that I was just super excited about, and and I'm and I'm still excited about it every day I wake up and every day I get with our guys. You know, I, I appreciate the opportunity that that um, uh, President Hanich and, and and Bill Bradshaw gave me, and um, it's it's something that that that, that I'm really 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 excited about where we're, where we're taking this program. What is your favorite part of being a coach? Boil it all down. Everybody loves to win, but day-to-day, what is the, your helping, favorite part? Helping of young people, seeing, seeing young people develop, um, um, you know, knowing that you've made an impact on, on the lives of young people, seeing them go on and become successful men, graduation day, um, a lot of kids that that we recruit, you know, people just think they're basketball players. People don't give them up the benefit of the doubt of being able to, you know, do anything um, outside of, you know, just dribbling the ball, right? And recruiting, going through the recruiting process where you recruit a kid, a young kid that that has no idea what life is all about, and then you know you recruit them, they they trust in you, and and then four years later they're leaving with a college degree and. And, you know, uh, off of a full scholarship, no debt, you know, the, the life in the palm of their hands to, to, to do whatever with it that they may. I, I think that's what I get the most satisfaction out of. LaSalle men's basketball coach Ashley Howard, thanks for coming in. Matt, thanks for having me. Another show in the books one-on-one is an original KYW News Radio sports podcast. And if you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod, and you can follow me on Twitter at MattLeon1060. Thanks to LaSalle men's basketball coach Ashley Howard for stopping by to talk. I'm Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.